the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, we have a, a guest going to be joining us here in a few moments. He should be calling in. Attorney Brian Henry is going to be with us. He is a Dallas-Fort Worth attorney. He's done interviews on various proposals to restrict abortion with uh, all kinds of media uh, outlets across the United States and Canada. And uh, he's had extensive courtroom experience at federal and appellate court level. And he's also filed papers and briefs with the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, he's going to join us so that we can talk about Alabama Senate passed a near-total ban on abortion yesterday, sending what would be the nation's most stringent abortion law to the state's Republican governor, who they think uh, is going to okay it. That's Governor Kay uh, Ivey. And if if it happens, if that happens, uh, the reason that this particular piece of legislation looks like it was passed is that they're hoping to get this on a fast track to the Supreme Court and test Roe v. Wade. Now, that's the way I've been reading all the stories I've read today. So uh, Byron is on hold and waiting to join us. So let's get him on and uh, and talk to him here. Byron, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Great to be with you today. Hey, this, is, well. uh, this is interesting. Uh, there's... there's a group of people who believe that the Supreme Court is ready to overturn Roe v. Wade. Do you think that that's true? Well, if I had to bet, forced to bet, I would say they're probably in a position today to do just about everything but overturn the core holding of Roe, just short of that, which basically means approving a lot of state regulations and federal regulations on abortion without undercutting or basically gutting the entire holding that there is some constitutional autonomy right to to seek and have an abortion in certain circumstances. Um, I think that, that we'll, before this bill gets signed by the governor in Alabama and goes all the way through the court system, there are a couple of measures that stop short of the Alabama ban that are farther along in the court process, the legal uh-huh. process, so that we'll know how the Supreme Court, if it's interested in addressing abortion at all, if it actually takes one of these cases, we'll know their feeling on this long before because they will put it in opinions upholding a, a heartbeat bill or upholding an ultrasound bill or upholding a viability bill at 20 weeks. They will talk about Roe and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, the two seminal decisions on abortion. They will discuss what they think of the decision, whether it's in a concurrent or undercutting the decision, and we'll get signals from the court that they are chipping away at the foundations of Roe and Casey in order to overrule it, or if they reaffirm Casey and Roe, but say Casey and Roe only say X, but they don't say all restrictions on abortions are unconstitutional, and we're just going to rubber stamp 
all of these restrictions. So we'll kind of get a feel for that. If you remember, Chief Justice Roberts in this court has a reputation for taking two or three opinions to overrule precedent. The first opinion, they say, we don't really like this decision that's questioned, but we don't need to address it today. The next time they rule and they bring it up, they say, well, this opinion has already been discredited in prior opinions, but we don't have to overrule it. We just say, and then the third time they visit it, they say, we've talked about how discredited this opinion is in two other opinions, so we're going to overrule it today. So kind of laying the groundwork in baby steps is the way this court generally works on overruling precedent or Chief Justice Roberts' court's works, as opposed to simply out of the blue picking a case and the world changes overnight and you never see it coming. Yeah, I mean, Roberts is going to be our new Kennedy, I feel like. He's going to be the guy that's the wild card out there, just like he was uh, for Obamacare during the the whole thing dealing with, uh, you know, the Affordable Care Act. Everybody thought that it was going to go down, and he was the dissenting vote that everybody was stunned by. I think that he sees himself playing that part a lot. That's why I think it's going to be important uh, for the president to get one more pick for the court. Would you agree with that? I agree with that. I will say this, that while Kennedy had a libertarian instinct, which made him conservative in some areas, such as First Amendment and and campaign finance and some other areas, and of course he ruled with the majority on the Second Amendment case, the, the, the Heller case, it made him more, quote, liberal on personal autonomy issues such as same-sex marriage and abortion because he had a libertarian instinct. Justice, Chief Justice Roberts doesn't have that. Justice Roberts is more of what we would consider a traditional conservative which means he doesn't have a libertarian instinct on those social issues. And if you remember, in the same-sex marriage case, Roberts wrote a very powerful dissent on the same-sex marriage decision, another hot-button social issue, much like abortion. So he has not shied away from taking a stand on hot-button social issues. Uh, simply, you know, Justice Kennedy provided the fifth vote in that case, but Justice Ro- Chief Justice Roberts wrote a lengthy and very powerful dissent to the majority opinion. So uh, I think that Justice Ro- Chief Justice Roberts has a more traditionally conservative instinct than Justice Kennedy does. So I would say he would be more reliable in traditionally conservative cases. And remember, Justice Roberts, Chief Justice, I keep saying that, has been very consistent on the things when he was the Justice Department under, I think it was the Reagan administration, that he opposed, such as the, the preclearance under civil rights bill and a few other areas. When that case has come up in front of him, he has consistently ruled in the way that he, the position that his government took, the Justice Department took under President Reagan. Roe v. Wade is one of those cases where the Justice Department took a firm stand that Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided. So this would be an opportunity for him, him to see that position from 35, 40 years ago, realized as, a, as chief justice of the Supreme Court. So that's the only thing that points me kind of in a direction that he's probably close to there on Roe versus Wade. But if he's going to overrule that line of cases, I would expect him to take a couple of the lead up cases, such as the ultrasound or the heartbeat bill or some other restrictions in order to lay the groundwork for for um, re, for overturning Roe. What do you think about, uh, you know, precedent? Uh, you got two recent Supreme Court nominees that sat in front of the uh, folks that were, you know, g- going to grill them the, uh, this, uh, th- from the Senate, and both said that they would uh, pay attention to precedent. There's a lot of Democrats that feel like 
they just said that to get that off the table. What's your thoughts on that one? Well, I think it's basically, you know, sort of like what's your pleasure if it's a if it's a president you like you want us to follow it if it's a president you hate you want us to overturn it i would say that two two quick points one the chief justice roberts court has not overturned precedent in any faster tick than any other really any hardly any other courts in fact it falls right in the middle of the average of overturning precedent secondly most of these justices even justices like justice thomas who just issued a majority opinion 5-4 on Monday overturning a 40-year-old precedent on state sovereign immunity, has to go out of his way to explain why he's overturning precedent. They just don't sweep it aside as if it means nothing. There are factors and reasons and arguments that have to be made to overcome it. So I think all of the justices respect precedent to the extent that they better have very good reasons why they're going to overturn it. But in the end, it's what a lot of people have said. The law is what five justices at that time say it is. So the fact that there's a precedent from 40, 50 years ago that says otherwise, if you can't convince that was rightly decided, can't convince five justices, especially in constitutional cases, that that was rightly decided, then you're going to have an uphill road at oral argument and in your case. And right now, I suspect anyone arguing Roe or Casey in front of this court is going to have an uphill road. That's not to say that one of the justices like Justice Kavanaugh or Chief Justice Roberts wouldn't buy it and say, I disagree with Roe, but it's been the law for so long, I think it would be hurtful to the country and to the to the judiciary to overturn it. So they might, but uh, I, I, I'm doubtful that that's what would happen if it ultimately comes to that. I think that there probably are five votes to gut Roe and Casey and turn most of the abortion uh, area of law back to the states as it was pre-Roe. Right, so... From what I've read, the reason that this law was written the way that it was, it it basically didn't just step on toes, it stomped on toes, uh, uh, as far as Roe v. Wade goes, to make it have to be, have to go up to the Supreme Court. Is, is, am I correct in assuming that? It does not have to go to the Supreme Court. Uh, A district court or a court of appeals could simply rule that it violates Roe and that, that they're not allowed to overturn Roe, so they strike down the or, or, or order or declare that the bill is on the law is unenforceable, and the Supreme Court doesn't take the case. Mm. So it doesn't have to go to the Supreme Court. Now, it is directly challenging the Supreme Court. That is true. But nothing has to go to the Supreme Court except some very rare cases in the Constitution that are set forth. But a simple challenge to a state law does not have to go to the Supreme Court. There's no guarantee they'll take debate. Uh, a lower court could handle this, and the Supreme Court could simply turn it down. I, I think it is to challenge the the decision, and I think the way the bill was written, giving personhood to a to a preborn child, is important because what it does is just make the law consistent in states like Alabama, much like Texas, where except a mother having an abortion and a doctor performing one, if anyone else causes harm to that unborn child, they can be prosecuted for harming a person whether it's assault or murder or, or doing something like, you know, drunk drivers kill a pregnant woman, you can get charged twice. So what Alabama is doing is basically making their law consistent by saying we consider an unborn child a person for all these other protections. We're going to consider it a person in the abortion context. And you tell us courts why we can't do that since we can do it in all the other contexts. Yeah. Why is it a person? Why is it a person for every other context except when the a mother of the child decides 
to have an abortion. And that that's ultimately a logic question as well as the key constitutional question. Yeah, I mean, they really went. Have you read it, Brian? Have you taken a look at this law? What's in I've it? read the I've read the bullet points. And I, as I said, it is designed to create personhood for an unborn child yeah. for purposes of Alabama law. It really is. Um, and it would make, uh, you know, ending a pregnancy at any stage a felony punishable by up to 99 years or life in prison. I have seen that, and it makes it's very it's what we would consider uh, very uh, uh, extreme. Uh, you know, the, almost the maximum punishment for for that. There is another law in Alabama I have read that prohibits um, females from being prosecuted for for the death of a uh, preborn child, no matter what the circumstances. So when laid this law laid against that law, there's debate going on right now. But I have read some articles that that a mother would not be allowed to be charged under this law because of pre-existing Alabama law that this doesn't affect. So it would really only be the abortion provider, mm-hmm. the physician, that is subject to the 99 years, which would obviously be an irony of the thing that the mother could still not be prosecuted for having an abortion even after this bill was passed. But even still, that's pretty uh, severe punishment. Yeah, I, I agree with that. If you'll wait, I need to take a break here. We'll come back and continue our discussion. It's very interesting. You're right. Supreme Court could not take this case. However, with this being just hitting every nerve that it possibly can, I think it would be uh, rare if they wouldn't take a look at uh, at this case if somewhere along the appellate court it, it got uh, struck down. We'll come back. We'll talk uh, the rest of the way for this half hour with our guest, Byron Henry. He is a lawyer in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We'll continue our discussion when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Our guest is uh, Byron Henry. He's an attorney of law uh, in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas. He has done, of course, as I was telling you, a a lot of uh, legal work and has uh, done appellate work, uh, federal work. He's filed papers and briefs with the U.S. Supreme Court. He knows what he's talking about. Uh, Robert Steinbach, our law professor from UALR's Bowen School of Law, will join us today and we'll talk further about this. But Byron, help us understand why the whole argument of personhood has never been put to bed on abortion. Well, because of science and, and, and both common sense and otherwise, I mean, we treat uh, unborn children in the womb as people for a lot of reasons. And so I think the personhood debate has been put to bed, and that is states have a compelling interest, the Supreme Court says, in pre- protecting life in the womb. Uh, courts have recognized that it is a an unborn person, that it is it is unique, that it is worthy of protection, and states have responded. The one caveat, the one carve-out, in the law, starting with Roe and moving forward to Casey and all the other cases that have come in between and since, is a mother's personal decision to terminate her pregnancy by ending the life of the preborn child before birth, or in some cases before vice, depending on what state you're in, but under Roe, before the child is born. Um, it is part of the mother, which makes it a special class of decisions that is different than any other. Uh, and and we have a, an exception for physicians and others 
to end pregnancies, uh, and that's the one exception. Otherwise, we are free to treat, the Supreme Court says, a fetus or an unborn child as a person for purposes of the criminal law, for purposes of, of lots of laws, malpractice laws, all sorts of laws. We can treat it as a treat the child as a person as opposed to an organ or a property or something less than a person, but not for abortion. It's the one area that has been reserved for the choice to terminate uh, based on Roe. And so that's why, you know, when Roe was decided, it took the debate out of the processes, out of legislatures, out of Congress, and put it in the hands of courts. And so that debate never got to play out over the last few decades over just how much protection to give um, the unborn because the Supreme Court basically short-circuited the process back in the early 70s and said, we're going to tell you, um, you can't prohibit a woman from terminating her pregnancy, period. And so just when it was heating up, (laughs) the abortion debate was beginning to heat up back then. The Supreme Court, as Justice Scalia said, didn't end the debate, but threw gasoline on the fire of the debate Mm -hmm. and basically turned it into one of the defining issues of a generation. And that's what it is today. Um, so one side wants the Supreme Court to settle with science and other ways that this is a, an unborn child worthy of protection and you can't kill it. And the other side wants to protect the exception that was created in Roe and is so not percent And that is it's a mother's solemn personal decision about how to deal with her body and her life. And you shouldn't intrude on that um, as a state, as a legislature. Uh, you should allow that to be a private decision for bodily autonomy. And that's the other side to you. And um those two sides have been fighting in legislatures and in courts with dozens of cases and laws passed every year, by the way. And there's different pro-life, pro-choice laws passed uh, both ways. New York and Virginia have new pro-choice laws. And, of yeah. course, Alabama, Texas, and a bunch of other states have new pro-life bills, depending on the political leaning of the state. So you've got those competing interests. And one argument is, is that if the Supreme Court did overturn Roe versus Wade, it wouldn't ban abortion, all it would do is say it goes back to the states the way it was before pre-1973 to let the states decide how to protect unborn children. So in California, you could pretty much get an abortion uh, you know, with very little restrictions, New York the same, and in other states like Alabama, Texas, and a few others, it'd be much more difficult. But you know, before Roe versus Wade, that's the way it was. Yeah, final question, and I'll let you go. We've got just a little over a minute left, and you mentioned New York, Virginia, and then Vermont as well as looking at this. This whole thing of, of, of abortion up until birth, I mean, I, I find the, the logic ludicrous, but, you know, they say it's not a it's not a, a, a basic human being like you're a human being when you come out the birth canal, and you can, you can do away with the child up until that point. Uh, that was throwing on more gasoline, was it not? It was, and of course, you can you can make the argument that that is logical under their position. That if you're part of the woman's body and have not been born and became a person, a counted person after birth, umbilical cord severed, and taking your first breath, then why can't you have an abortion all the way up until um, emergence from the birth canal? Logically, that makes sense. Luckily, the Supreme Court did include some language in a number of its opinions, which said. The even old opinions that the analysis may be altered post viability, meaning once a child could live without the mother outside. Uh, the By- Byron, we're we're out of yeah. time. I'm going to have to let sure. you go. I appreciate your time, though. No problem. Glad to be with you. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.